0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel joining us as always for the conversation. Glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS, joining us for the first of our Washington Weekly series of conversations for the new year 2024. So with that, Shane, Happy New Year to you. Welcome back and thank you for spending some time with our listeners today.
1: Happy New Year to you, Dan, and it's good to be back with you. I hope you had a a wonderful holiday season and I'm I'm, I'm glad to hear your voice
0: again. Likewise Shane so we're back we're well rested and that's good because 2024 is going to be a very busy year on many fronts I know at this point lawmakers are back in D.C. there's a lot we can talk about with respect to Congress but to start uh, perhaps a good starting point is decision 2024 because just a few days away on Monday we will have the Iowa caucuses so I'm curious to hear about your expectations for how Monday might go and how might the results further shape the field of GOP contenders for the White House.
1: Yeah, I know. It, it feels like uh it's hard to believe we've been talking about this for so long and, and here we are. Um the, the the season is about to kick off with Iowa on Monday. And you know, I, I think uh a lot of things to talk about here, but I think maybe let's just start with um keeping in mind that this is the Republican uh, Iowa caucus, uh, Democrats have pushed their, uh, Iowa season off, we'll say. They want to start with, uh, South Carolina in a few weeks. So we're really focused on what's going to happen with Republicans in Iowa at this moment, right? And, you know, former president, uh, Trump is leading strongly. Um, but you never know. You might get a surprise. Um, I think the bigger kind of interest on my part is who's going to finish second. And, you know, how close do they make it? Is it, is it, um, you know, really one person rises, whether it be DeSantis, Haley, or someone else like Vivek Ramaswamy? Um, or, you know, is it, is it a kind of a mixed fray where those three are very close together? So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if one can rise up. And especially to me, um, if it's Haley, because I think she has a lot of momentum in New Hampshire. And that could um you know uh snowball into something. I do think if uh Governor Ron DeSantis does not have a strong showing in Iowa, this will probably be the end of his campaign and keep in mind uh just this week alone, uh former Governor Chris Christie pulled out, so you know this race continues to evolve um you know, so I think. How next week shakes out uh you know we may see some people get out. We may see someone rise as more of the primary opponent in the the uh, uh primary to former president trump. We'll see if we'll, you know if one Republican can ascend and make it a an interesting primary season for the next few weeks uh otherwise, I think you're going to see uh former president Trump steamroll uh, uh everyone in this primary season on his way to the Republican nomination.
0: Well, it will be interesting to see how Monday takes shape and if we do, in fact, see any surprises. On the other side of it, there has been some speculation as to President Biden's plans for 2024. Now, he does indeed seem committed as he recently embarked on his re-election efforts with a couple of appearances since the start of 2024. So what exactly has the messaging from President Biden consisted of?
1: Yeah, there were two major kind of events that I, I followed that President Biden, uh, spoke at. One was the anniversary of the January 6th uh, riot at the Capitol where he really, you know, leaned into this theme of, you know, a choice is to be made between him and Trump and that choice, you know, is in his mind a stark choice between, you know, our country continuing to be a democracy or if, he, in his uh, view, if he sides and supports President Trump, you know, that is the end of kind of our country as we know it. Um, and he continued this theme a little bit uh, in his speech at Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina. This is a, a very notable appearance, one, the location, because that's where um, a massacre of several churchgoers who are all African-Americans happened. A few years ago, so this is very important to the uh, African-American community. And he echoed some of these themes, and he really um, is honing in on the African-American vote as, you know, he's going to need uh, that uh, constituency to turn out uh, in good numbers for him to win re-election. Now, I was interested in this theme about democracy, of, you know, why he was uh, choosing it. You know, I, I had to assume that, you know, uh, his campaign believes it's a good topic for him to be discussing. And I was digging into some polling numbers uh that just came out in Pennsylvania, where 22 percent of independent voters in Pennsylvania think this is uh, our, the future of our democracy is their top issue. So it is clearly resonating with um a number of critical voters in the independent category. So I think you're going to see President Biden and his campaign lean into this issue further um over the coming uh, months as they think it it can be a potent issue for his re-election.
0: Well, it is interesting to have a bit of a glimpse as to how the messaging on both sides of the aisle seems to be resonating with prospective voters. So we'll continue to cover the election as we make our way through the year leading to Election Day. Putting that aside for a moment, I do want to turn to Capitol Hill as Americans are faced with yet another threat of a government shutdown. This seems to be a recurring topic we cover here on the podcast, so I'll simply ask Shane, where do government funding negotiations stand as of today?
1: You're right. It is a recurring topic, and uh, the news is that you and I will continue to talk about it probably (laughs) in the coming weeks. We're at this moment. um, There have been a few developments. First, you know, Speaker uh, Johnson and uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer have have agreed on a top-line budget number. Um, So they've kind of agreed to, let's say, the framework of you know, here is how much we can spend. Now they're farming out the work to uh, the appropriations committees to to kind of um, take that top line number and develop the 12 individual funding bills uh, that all add up to that top line funding number and, you know, have a product uh, for uh, senators and representatives to vote on. Now, you'll remember that there are the deadlines coming up are staggered. There is a deadline in January 19th where four of those 12 bills will expire. And if there is no action, there's a shutdown for um, the departments and the agencies uh, under those four bills. And the remaining eight uh of the 12 bills expire on February 2nd. Um, with those deadlines, you know, creeping up on us pretty quickly, um, a number of uh, senators on both sides of the aisle have said, listen, we need to pass a continuing resolution to fund government oper- operations in the short term so that we don't have a shutdown, and we allow our time ourselves some more time to uh, uh, finish the legwork, if you will, on those 12 bills. Um, in that vein, the Senate is currently teeing up a potential vote um, on a uh, short-term continuing resolution. If they are able to pass this, this puts Speaker Johnson in the House in a little bit of a box, because at the same time he has seen the um, House Freedom Caucus, kind of his right flank in the Republican uh, Caucus in the House, have have already objected to uh, the top line uh, funding number that he agreed to with uh, Senator Schumer. So he's already got getting pushback, and to the point where. These, uh, Republicans on his right flank have already, uh, taken down a, uh, totally unrelated bill on the floor this week. They have essentially halted, uh, floor action and are, and things are grinding to a halt. So Speaker Johnson has quite a, um, battle in front of him from within his own party and he, he's gonna, it's gonna be tough for him to get out of this box. So, you know, we may see a shutdown in the coming weeks. I think the next few weeks are going to be very fluid. Um, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know, potential for a shutdown is real. But we'll see if Speaker Johnson is able to kind of uh, smooth things over and and avoid that and still um, get uh, some of these bills across the finish line.
0: Yep, as always seems to be a lot of complexities involved with these negotiations, though it's helpful to have a sense for how these talks might progress from here. And as you pointed out, this topic will keep our listeners updated on in the coming weeks. I do want to pivot over to the Senate for a few moments, as there have been ongoing negotiations surrounding funding for U.S. support efforts in Ukraine, Israel, as well as Taiwan, all geopolitical points of interest we've covered here on the podcast. Now, support for these countries seems to have intersected with efforts to address the U.S. southern border. So I'm curious as to where this stands, Shane.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, uh, funding for Israel and Taiwan, you know, completely bipartisan. Funding for Ukraine is bipartisan, but not completely. There are Republicans that do oppose it. But if you were to have a vote, uh, you know, on it singularly, Uh, or just the three of those together, you know, it would probably pass the House and Senate. But Republicans know they have a little bit of um, uh, the ability to negotiate here and demand um, some funding for the southwest border and also some policy changes. So in that, they have tapped Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, a very uh, smart and uh, conservative Republican from Oklahoma, I might add, um, to be their lead negotiator. And he is negotiating with Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who's uh, kind of uh, progressive, and also Senator uh, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, who's an independent uh, caucuses with the Democrats. The three of them have come to an agreement um, on um, uh, the southwest border issue. And they're now taking that agreement and and putting, you know, uh, pen to pad and, you know, putting it in what we call legislative text. So they expect to release that uh, probably next week. Um, at the same time, they have been sitting down with senators and representatives and going over the, um, the details of this. And they're trying to keep it somewhat quiet in the sense of, you know, instead of just releasing a text and catching everyone off guard and to read it on their own, they're taking time to walk people through it and help try and you know, um, uh, those senators and representatives understand the bill before someone else tells them what's in the bill from a skewed um, um, perspective. You know, that skew can come from the right or the left. But, you know, this is a way to try and, you know, essentially try and lock in votes before We see, you know, um, uh, political pundits on TV and others, you know, really attack the bill from both the left and the right and, you know, kill its chances before it even uh, gets a a chance to, you know, take off. So um, they're being very thoughtful and methodical about this. Many of the details have not leaked yet, and that is on purpose. I think we generally have an idea about, you know, what's going on and how it relates to um, it's going to impact uh, asylum seekers and, you know, catch and release and those sorts of border policies that we've talked about over the years. Uh, but a lot of the fine details are still uh, waiting to be released. So, you know, I think this is also important to um, the debate of government shutdown. Um, if a, a deal is reached here that is acceptable um, to conservatives, that helps uh, smooth the government funding issue a little bit. Um, a lot of those members want to see this dealt with before they move on to other issues like government funding. So I think, uh, we're going to be in for uh, a tense week or two on, on this issue, um, uh, coming right around the corner from us. So I think we'll probably be talking about this next week or the week after. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if it, uh, if it sinks or floats.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot at stake with these particular negotiations involving a lot of issues that, of course, need to be addressed. So we'll see how this takes shape indeed. Shane, thank you very much for dropping by, for joining us for the kickoff episode of 2024. As I said up top, it will be a very busy year. So looking forward to keeping our listeners, our clients informed along the way and having many follow-up conversations with you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Dan. I look forward to a A good year with you, and um, hopefully we get some rest at the appropriate time, but I think we're going to have fun.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate your time today and your insights. As always, we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. I will point out to our clients of UBS listening in, if you would like to receive a copy of the most recent Washington Weekly publication, you can locate that on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. Again, that's UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.